Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Confessions of a Debut Novelist with me, your host, Chloe Timms. This week, I'm talking to Jenna Clake about her literary novel, Disturbance. Jenna is an award-winning poet, born in Staffordshire. She has a PhD in creative writing from the University of Birmingham, and she's a senior lecturer at Teesside University. In this episode, we discuss using witchcraft to write about female agency, the challenges of novel writing versus poetry, and how Jenna WhatsApps herself notes on the go to keep her ideas alive. But before all that, here's Jenna with an excerpt from Disturbance. Waking up so often in the middle of the night meant that I recognised the sound of the walker's door clicking as Chelsea sneaked out. Through my peephole, I saw her shuffling into her trainers. The communal light switched on, so I could see Chelsea clearly, standing on her front doormat. She was in her pyjamas a grey hoodie and a pair of light pink shorts with lace around the bottom. Something wasn't right. She was pale and had dark circles under her eyes. Her face was blotchy, as though she'd been crying or was having an allergic reaction. There was a red mark scored across one of her thighs. She appeared to be waiting for something. Then I realised. She was worried that her parents had heard her. She was listening out for any sign of movement before stealing away. Suddenly, she darted down the stairs. I moved quickly back through my flat to watch her from the window. We arrived at the same time. Chelsea landed on her knees and tore the grass and mud with her fingers, clumps in her hands like hair. She pulled the stone from the ground and I expected her to throw it away because, I believed, with shock at my own train of thought, that it must be cursed. The thought felt inevitable, true. My instinct to run to her flared. I wanted to help, to understand what was happening. As I thought this, the centre of my palm stung as though I were holding the stone. Chelsea took a tissue from her hoodie pocket and wrapped the stone up carefully. She cradled it in her hand like an injured bird. Two beams of white light down the road, heat rising from the tarmac. She stared at the headlights of the car, which felt so bright I had to shield my eyes. The red Fiat 500 pulled up again, and the dark-haired girl got out. She approached Chelsea carefully, as though she were contagious, 
and then reached for her elbow, avoiding the stone. She pulled Chelsea towards the car. They drove off, without the radio on, in silence. Hi Jenna, welcome to the podcast. I'm really excited to have you on with me today to discuss your debut novel, Disturbance. Hi Chloe, thanks so much for having me. It's really great to be here. So Jenna, can you start by telling us what Disturbance is about? Yeah, Disturbance is about a woman that has an escaped and abusive relationship and um, she starts to dabble in witchcraft with her teenage next door neighbour Chelsea and her best friend Jess um, and that has some disastrous consequences. Oh yes, a little tease there. It's it's always difficult in episodes not to give anything away and we'll, tra- we'll talk kind of thematically and we won't try and give too much um of the the general story away um but I wanted to talk a little bit about your your background in writing because your poetry has been published before and you're an award-winning poet had you always wanted to write novels as well or was this this a kind of a, a, a first thing for you um well so I went to study um creative writing at, at university at the University of Birmingham um on the whim that I just had always wanted to be a writer but I'd literally never written anything before so I was like oh great if I if I go to university they'll teach me um and I wanted to be a novelist um I had it in my head that that's what I was going to um write because that's all I'd ever read um and then I had a wonderful tutor the poet Luke Kennard um and he just made me fall in love with poetry so um I became a poet sort of by accident um so I'd always had it in my mind that I would write a novel um but um I think I put it off because I was a bit scared um and then the pandemic happened and I was stuck alone in my flat for a very long time and so it seemed like the perfect project to stop me from you know um having a bit of a breakdown it sort of gave me the structure um every weekend to um to do something with my time especially during that winter lockdown which was just awful um so I it sort of pushed me I think to do something that I'd always wanted to do. Did you find the transition easier than you expected or I mean was it was it very different from writing poetry? It was so different. Um, I mean, <laughs> I think I think my biggest mistake was trying to approach writing a novel like writing a poem. Um, and um, I did that and handed in a draft or like 20,000 words to my agent. And then he was like, yeah, great idea. Terrible execution. Like you need to go back and think about plot. This is just like a series of subplots. Um, so I think found um that it basically required me to learn a whole new set of skills and um practice them and figure out what I was doing and I think writing poetry really came in on a line level um I wanted to write a very lyrical novel that um used a lot of my experience of being a poet um but yeah I mean it was a totally different experience and I learned so much from it did you find it maybe more freeing to have the space of a novel or was that kind of terrifying that you had so many more words to write it was terrifying to begin with but I had found that um as I was writing poems my poems were just getting longer and longer 
and um, I write a lot of prose poetry. So um, at one point, someone said to me, are you sure you're not just writing short stories now? Like they were getting so long and had had really long plots and, and characters and things. Um, so I think I was really like pushing at the boundaries of um, of poems. And so I did find it more freeing, I think. And it felt like a real chance to sort of step away from myself. So um, I would I wouldn't say that my poetry is necessarily like personal confessional. Um, it's it is always it's always been character driven and sort of monologue driven and, and that sort of thing. But um, I just found I wanted to play with a bigger cast of characters. Um, I wanted to see what I could do and I wanted to inhabit a different world. Um, whereas in poetry, it often feels like you're in a world for a really short amount of time. And I wanted more space to play with that. Mm. So the idea for this novel you had and straight away thought, this is going to be a novel or did you work on it as a poem? Like, tell us how the idea evolved. Yeah, so um, it was definitely always going to be a novel. Um, I can't remember where I first got the idea from it, just suddenly sort of was there and um, I couldn't really ignore it but um, um, I was sort of just playing around with it for a really for a really long time um, you know putting things down into a document and then like being like okay well I've got this scene but what does it mean um, and then it really sort of took off when um, so I'd got I'd got this idea of um, a woman uh, who's really lonely who's who's escaped this um, relationship um, there was I wanted to do something with teenagers because I'm endlessly fascinated by teenagers and like um, and yeah I just like I think about me and my sister growing up and how different we were and um, yeah it just feels like really rich material for me um, but then I um, in the in the second lockdown um, the flat above mine was a Airbnb party rental and someone um rented it out for an illegal rave had this illegal rave and like I just thought right stick my earplugs in go to sleep like just ignore it whatever um and then I woke up to the sound of the police banging on my door um and in my in my bedroom at the time there was a balcony next to my bed and there were these like people moving on my balcony outside um and it uh, by the time I got to my front door, um, they pulled someone out the flat next to mine and were arresting them. So I sort of stayed stayed inside. But my neighbours came around the next day and they were like, oh, yeah, so these pe we called the police on them and they all jumped out onto your balcony. So uh, this was like really terrifying. And like for, for days afterwards, I just like any movement, any noise, I was I was really scared. Um, and and then from that, I was like, oh, wait, like this is a really scary experience. And what if the other thing happening to this woman was that she was living in a haunted flat or she sort of believed she was um, living in a haunted flat. And that just seemed like a really interesting way to think about trauma and to think about what she'd been through and how that would manifest in her everyday life. So it's sort of, um, it was like 
the perfect thing you want to happen to you if you're a poet like poets are, are often like looking around at the world and being like ah oh, this thing like popped in front of me um so I think my poetry brain sort of kicked into gear and I was like oh, this is really interesting but it felt too much to try and get into a poem it's far too dramatic for a poem yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> <laughs> also quite an unusual event I mean that doesn't exactly transpire into the novel but obviously the I guess the atmosphere and the tension is something I mean the the novel is incredibly tense throughout you get this horrible feeling of like dread while you're reading it um and that obviously came from that event um um tell us about your unnamed narrator and did you specifically go out and think I'm not gonna name this narrator so that she can be everyone what was your thinking behind that yeah um I I think at first I just hadn't committed to a name for her um and like names feel really powerful and um so so I'd got the teenage girls names like straight up straight away but I couldn't sit stick with anything for my narrator and then I realized um part of that was that she doesn't really know who she is anymore during the novel and the novel is sort of a, a journey of um, her trying to find herself after this really traumatic thing that's happened to her um, so I wanted her to be this sort of shadowy figure and um, her ex is a really shadowy figure in the novel too um, so have, not having her named I think was part of that sort of experience of her trying to figure out who she is still and um, trying to grasp at other people to define her in a way or grasp at other things to define herself um so I decided quite early on that she wouldn't be named um I think I would now always name my characters I feel like once you've done it once you can't just be like oh they're always unnamed um but it felt it felt right for her I think did it give you extra complications not giving her a name Oh, absolutely. Like, you know, bits of dialogue where you ha or you're like, oh, wait, they can't say her name or, <laughs> um, or you know, uh, there's the, the certain points where like someone needs to get her attention. So I just I had to write something like, um, you know, Eddie said my name or, or whatever. Um, and so I was like, oh, I have tied myself in knots here. But it also felt like a fun challenge to think of all the inventive ways around it mm. um and I think writing should be about challenging yourself and trying to see what you can get away with or what you can do or where you can push your skills to yeah absolutely and let's touch on the topic of domestic abuse then because I don't want to give too much away and I'll let you give away what you want to what you want to say but that's a, a major theme in this novel and and I wondered how you went about handling it because obviously it's a topic that's incredibly sensitive and, and you know, I imagine very difficult to write about. So what was your experience like writing about this? Yeah, it was really hard um, to write those scenes. And uh, I suppose the best way to describe it is there's sort of a, a level of the novel, which is explaining um, or exploring the narrator's experience of that relationship through um, like vignettes or, or memories and those and those sort of um impact how she behaves in in the present of the novel um so the way I went about writing those is I wrote all of those first um because I wanted to understand her journey and then that would help me understand what was happening to her in the present of the novel um and the way 
to sort of approach that is I didn't want it to be really sensationalistic. Um, I wanted the reader to know enough about what she'd been through that her actions in the present would make sense um, and that we could understand her. Um, but I didn't want to write a novel that was solely about that relationship. I wanted to um, get her out of there, really. When I started writing those scenes, like, what I really felt is like I wanted her out of that. So then it was, um, although although the sort of present of the novel is quite dark, there are moments of levity and, and light in it. And it was it felt like a relief to write those. Um, but to write those um, scenes of the relationship, I just went back to a couple of novels that I had felt did a really good job um, of, it, of expressing that experience. Um, the first one being First Love by Gwendolyn Riley, um, which is just this really sort of lyrical, paired back account of a woman's relationship with her older husband. Um, and it just sort of treads that line of um, understanding why someone stays in a relationship at the same time as it is bad for them. Um, and Mina Kandasamy's um, When I Hit You, which is just sort of a really powerful um, account of, of domestic abuse. And I think she sort of pushes things further than I wanted to. So it was good to have those um, two books to sort of go between and think, well, how have they done it? What do I want my book to do a bit differently? But like, how can they teach me what what I how I want this to come across? I suppose. Mm, yeah, I think I I certainly think when when I'm writing and there's something I'm not exactly sure how to approach or how to write it, I'm always looking at how other writers do it and how they do it well, um, because I think it's just helpful to kind of absorb some of that because you think well they you know they've done it so brilliantly and I want to somehow emulate that and be like their work even if you know um I'm not 100% as good as them or whatever your feeling is at the time um but particularly when you're you're dealing with topics that are really sensitive like that um your lead character gets fixated on her teenage neighbours as you said and she starts to explore hexes and curses what made you go down this route of kind of witchy elements there's a lot of uh, a lot of books at the moment are very witchy you've kind of hit the right right time on that front I know it was perfect timing it wasn't <laughs> planned at all but it was great um but yeah um I was obsessed as a teenager with Buffy the Vampire Slayer Charmed the Craft anything sort of supernatural, witchy, I was there. And um, like my family was very into TV when I was growing up. So we'd all sort of sit and watch these programs together, me and my sister, especially. Um, so it firstly came from that, just this sort of nostalgic love for something that I wanted to share. But I think why witchcraft feels so powerful and why it's possibly so popular at the moment is that, um, I think it's uh it's a perfect sort of vehicle to think about female agency or women's agency um to think about sort of feminism and modern iterations of it. Um I mean I got obsessed with witch talk while I was writing the novel. Um I'm terrible at TikTok so I was just sort of lurking there. Um but I just think like it was just amazing watching how inventive um, young women or girls could be 
Um, and it brought me back to being younger and like playing with my friends or doing my own witchy experiments um, and the sort of like power and agency that gives you that it makes you feel like you have your own system of meaning in the world or like you and your friends are connected in a way. Um, and, you know, witchcraft historically has, um, you know, ha has been a, a place where women are maligned and sort of persecuted and prosecuted. Um, so I was thinking about, well, how how are we thinking about witchcraft today and how would my narrator latch on to that um, as a way to sort of make herself feel better? Um, and also how would she use that in all the wrong ways? <laughs> There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yeah, definitely. What is it about the, I mean, you said you have an interest in teenagers. What What about your your lead character then? What is it that's so appealing for her to kind of observe the lives of others? I think it comes from her absolute loneliness, really. She's living this um, really isolated life um, and she sort of feels that she's lost everything. So it's a game of um, sort of self-flagellation, I think, in part. She sort of um, watches her neighbour, Alice, quite a lot and, and uses her as a way to be like, oh, that's ev she has everything I could have had. Um, so she sort of uses that as a way to uh, make herself feel bad for the past relationship and its failure, um, even though that's ultimately not her fault. And then I think her obsession with um, 
her next door neighbour Chelsea is that she sees herself in Chelsea and thinks Chelsea sees herself in her. Um, and so she sort of is very misguided, but well-intentioned, I think. And so this watching of other people is sort of living vicariously through them, but also wanting to sort of be an active participant in her life when she feels that she's not really. Mm. So Jenna, tell us a little bit more about your kind of writing process. I mean, you are your your poetry is, I guess, where you started, but how how do you write? Are you someone that is very kind of a planning person? Are you someone who kind of, I don't know, sits and scribbles away with loads of notes before you get started? Kind of what's your general process to, to write? What was your general process to write this novel? So my general process to write this novel was a process of chaos, uh, which I ultimately regret. Um, but I think, so I when I was first writing, I did not plot at all. It was it was just sort of um, notes and idea. I was like, oh, I'll, you know, uh, I'll just get this idea down. Um, then I realised that I needed to go back and actually plot what was going to happen. Like you can't handle that many people and uh, you know that much that that many words and not have a sense of where you're going. So I'm quite a visual person, so I would like draw myself little plotting plans and things um and then to write the novel um I'm someone that gets really bad existential dread about my writing while it's happening so I've learned that the best way to deal with that is do like short sharp bursts of writing so um my maximum sort of time to write is about three hours so I really I really envy people that are like oh I've got a whole day to write and I'll just sit there and write like I wish I was that person but I am not um but I find if I can get something down then I feel pleased with myself and I think yes that has that has done something today well done um whereas if I spend a whole day with it I go from feeling good to feeling bad at like sort of past lunchtime so that like by five o'clock I think what am I doing with my life why do I write etc 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 throw the laptop out the window um so that works really well for me, this sort of short, sharp thing. And I also really like walking as a way to write. So I have um, I have a WhatsApp group that's just got me in it. So I can like text myself and voice note myself. Um, and I will just go for a walk if I'm having a problem with something or just if I want to think it through and then talk to myself or like text myself. And I find that really helpful. So I am constantly taking notes while I'm writing thinking about where something could go or like a line of dialogue or what someone's motivation is. So it feels like a subconscious process a lot of the time as well. Um, and I, I probably spend a bit too much time planning or thinking through what's going to happen. Um, but, and then once I get to the page, I'm like, oh yeah, I should have just been here a bit earlier <laughs> always uh, to get it down because you, you know, I, I do, with disturbance I did go back and um plan it um but ultimately some of the things that happened in it I couldn't have figured out until I was actually writing it because the characters do something that surprise you or you think actually no that you know that's not their motivation this is their motivation um so a lot of it comes through the like redrafting editing stuff as well mm. 
I'm really glad you said that thing about the three hours because that's exactly my experience. And I mean, I don't think my brain would be able to engage with writing from nine to five. I just really don't think it would work like that for me. So it's it's nice to hear other people say that as well. Yeah, I mean, I just, um, I think it might, maybe it comes for me from doing poetry as well, but like uh, you get, a, you can get a draft of a poem down in 20 minutes. And then you can like leave your desk and be like, haha, I've done like a good day's work there. But um, with a novel, it's so much slower. So I think it's about making it feel faster in a way um, and like engineering it so it feels like you get a good little like dopamine hit um, and then you leave it at that point. And did you find because you're, you're a poet that you were agonising over, you know, every line, every word, or did you think because you were working on the novel did you think oh I've got a bit more I don't need to worry about this as much or I mean I I don't know maybe because you're a poet you were thinking about every every sentence as you were writing it yeah I was thinking about every sentence as I wrote it but I think that sort of worked against me because um poetry is really elliptical um so I would write these scenes but they'd be far too short so then I like I'd have to go back in and sort of pull them out and in poetry you're trying to like be as economical as possible whereas I realized that in a novel you don't want to be as economical as possible necessarily because you're shutting your reader out from all the things that make the world and the characters rich so um, I did agonize over every line and every bit of dialogue and every image um but I really enjoyed that actually like that's where I feel comfortable doing that so that was the pleasure of the writing definitely and what is it what is the aspect of writing that you find the hardest sounds like I mean your your approach is kind of chaotic but it seems to work for you so what's the thing that you you know if you could take a I don't know a magic pill and it would fix one aspect of the writing process for you what would be what would be the thing that you'd go, I need this? Um, I would definitely have a magic pill that solved all my plotting problems for me. That is, um, it's something that uh, I don't think comes naturally to me. So I have to work really hard at. Um, and I'm now a save the cat convert. Um, I love that book. It has. Oh um... It is the best. I, I'm just going to say it's the best plotting book for me. Yeah, yeah. It, it it has yeah it has changed my life um and if I'd have had that before I started writing Disturbance I think I would have found it a lot more straightforward um I still think I I think I like a bit of mystery as I come to writing something um but I definitely wish I was better or I wish yes yeah, since I've got that book I feel better at plotting but I definitely like see that as someone else making me better at plotting rather than it and being a natural gift I've been given so yeah if anyone has a magic pill that will do that for me I'll happily take it <laughs> and you probably covered this already with what we've spoken about before but are there differences in what you when it comes to kind of what you want to write about do you think of them now as this is a novel idea, this is a poetry idea. Um, is that is that kind of quite clearly defined in your head? I think it is, yeah, because some... If I think of both things as telling a story, which in essence they do in, in my writing at least, I think 
the stories I want to write as novels just feel um, really sort of rich in a way that I couldn't make them in a poem. They they need more people. They need longer. They need a whole world to be created. Um, and the things I want to write about in poetry are probably sort of the smaller things, the the more quotidian things or the um, the sort of thing that you will get some real pleasure out of um, writing in a really short, succinct way and focusing on images. So I think if I'm if I get an idea and I feel like that's image focused, then it goes into a poem. But if it sort of feels character driven and um, like a re like there's I think a good way of thinking about it is if I keep on thinking about it and the world keeps on growing and growing and growing around it, then I think that's got to be a novel or or else I'm going to be doing it a disservice. Mm. Can you tell us the story about how you came to get your agent and your book deal? I'm wondering whether you have the same agent for your poetry and your novel or did that change? Like what, what happened there? Yeah, so um, I got my agent uh, because I um, just published my first collection of poetry um, and that had won an award so I was in London for an award ceremony because I don't live in London um, and uh, the person who is now my agent um, sent me an email and said are you around for a meeting I I'd like to meet you um, so I met him and I um, I basically pitched him a novel that isn't disturbance and I will probably never return to but um it was a project I was thinking about undertaking. So so with that in mind, then he signed me for my um, second poetry collection when that was ready and then took me on with the idea that I'd write this this, um, this novel or a novel um, shortly after. Um, so it was, I, I started working with him mostly off the back of like the track record of my poetry, but with the idea that I'd always go into writing like non-fiction or, or fiction. Um, for me, I think I'll always write fiction rather than non-fiction. Um, and then um, how I got my book deal is um, I basically worked with my agent on Disturbance for about a year. Um, so he was really helpful in sort of guiding uh, what I was doing with it. And I really like it felt like a really isolating process writing this novel especially because yeah it was during the pandemic so I didn't have all my friends to talk to about it or like all the usual ways you, you share your writing or you, you think about your writing as as you're doing it um so we were in conversation a lot about it um that was really helpful for sort of workshopping my ideas um and going away and doing something with them and for me um, I need some sense of accountability. I, I long thought that the reason I teach creative writing is that it's sort of part of my job to be a writer at the same time. So that makes me write. Um, whereas I think if I'd had a job that didn't sort of require some writing, I probably would have given it up years ago or not given it up. I think I just it just would have never happened. Um, so yeah, we were we were working on the novel together, and then um, sent it out for submission, and then it went to auction with four publishers, I think, and then yeah, we went with um, Trippies, who have been really great. Brilliant. I want to ask you actually about your 
experience with the publishing industry um, and how it's been like for you really whether there's been anything that's been surprising or difficult to deal with and what advice you'd have for anyone well for the next cohort let's say of daily novelists that will be publishing in 2024 what would be your advice on how to kind of cope with all the the ups and downs of the publishing experience yeah I mean I have to say I've had a really great team at trapeze which just really really helps and um I think that's one of the things that made me decide to go with them is that I thought they'd be really supportive and they had um, a good idea of what they wanted to do with the novel. Um, but I'd say like my one piece of advice is that when when I sold the novel, I sort of thought of publication day as the sort of big um, event in the calendar. But what you realise is you go through the process of like getting your blurbs, getting your cover, like... Um, doing all the copy editing and the proofreading there's like so many joyful moments in the lead up to that that publication day can be a bit flat almost or a bit like oh uh, oh okay um so I try and think of this as like a long game publication day isn't like the end of your novel it's actually only the beginning um and so you know put a for me, I would say put a lot of work into getting your book out there, like shout about your book, let people know about it. Um, but don't be worried if on publication day, it's like not the first book everyone's talking about or something like your book has time to make its impact, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say do something for you on that day, be it, I don't know, go to your favourite forest or go for a meal or whatever it is that you enjoy doing to kind of give yourself a treat as well because <laughs> it's like it's a hard year well hard 18 months plus the fact that you've probably been writing the book for much longer than that so I think yeah. do something that's nice for you so finally Jenna can you tell us a little tease about what you're working on next yes um so I am slowly tentatively working on a second novel um I think it's going to be about a cult um, and that's probably all I'll say about it because I'm worried that I will change my mind a lot. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, hopefully more spooky, scary, um, unsettling vibes coming. I'm, well, I'm a big fan. I love, I love anything to do with cults. So sign me up. Uh, I really look forward to it. Jenna, thank you so much for joining on the podcast today. Thank you so much, Chloe. It's been really fun. That was Jenna Clake talking about her literary novel, Disturbance, which is out now and available to buy. And if you'd like to support this podcast, debut authors and independent bookshops, you can now shop in the Confessions of a Debut Novelist bookshop, hosted by bookshop.org, which I've linked down below in the show notes. If you fancy buying any of the books you've heard on this podcast, then the majority of them can be found in this bookshop. And if you can, I would really appreciate you supporting me, supporting the authors and independent bookshops by buying them through this online store. Thank you so much for listening. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Or if you've subscribed already, it'd be great if you could leave me a review. See you next time. <laughs>